Maggie, come here, girl. Think you can crawl under here? I think you can, too. Please do. You're going to find something wonderful. <gasps> She's quick. She found it immediately. Actually, this is getting easier all the time. People are beginning to know where it is. All right. Wow. What we find here is an ancient manuscript from the Dead Sea Scrolls. Do you have any idea how much this is worth? Millions. It's worth millions of dollars. All you have to do in order for the church to have all that money come to us is read it. Go ahead. It's from Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. It's all resting on you. There's millions that could come into our church if you could just read this. How old are you? How old are you? Okay, it's Proverbs chapter 22, or chapter 2, 1 through 7. I think you can read this. You're going to have to do better, though. Read out loud as best you can. Oh, it's a trick. It's in Hebrew. She can't read this. We've lost millions because of you. Have a seat. I, to- I told James and Nikolai, said, the first thing you want to do is teach your daughter to read Hebrew. And they didn't listen. And now we're out millions. This is from Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, and it talks specifically about the subject of wisdom, which is what we're talking about today. And Maggie didn't have a chance, the poor girl. Now I brought her up here and embarrassed her. She'll probably be no good for the rest of life because I've damaged her. No, Maggie, you could not possibly have read that yet. But one day, maybe Hebrew will be yours, and you will know how to do it. If nothing else, wisdom will someday be hers if it's not now already because we'd like to think that wisdom comes with age. And Maggie's going to get older. She's probably already wise beyond her years, but one of these days she will be even wiser as time goes on. Today we are talking about wisdom, and uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful subject, beautiful topic, and I've got some things that I wanted to share about wisdom right off the top, some quotations about wisdom. Okay. There we go. This is the first one. This makes sense to me. Wisdom is found in our pursuing that which is wisest, which is wisdom. Now, I don't know how exactly that works logically, but I think that there's somehow there's truth in that, uh, even if it sounds a bit odd. But I think there's some truth there. Here is another statement, maybe not quite as deep as this one. Thinking yourself truly wise is nothing more than possessing a bad memory. <laughs> so some of you, some of you need to remember better. When I hear somebody sigh, life is hard, I'm always tempted to ask, compared to what? Why is that? Because there's nothing to compare it to. How do you compare life to whatever? So I don't know if there's wisdom in that or not. Children seldom misquote you. In fact, they usually repeat word for word what you shouldn't have said. Might be some wisdom there. Meredith, have you ever had that problem? You probably have. Tristan's thinking, yeah, I used to misquote her all the time. If you lend someone $20 and they avoid you and you never see that person again, it was probably worth it. (laughs) Not bad, eh? I'm trying to think about somebody who's avoiding me. (laughs) 
actually, I owe you a lunch, don't I? (laughs) It is far more impressive when others discover your good qualities without your help. (laughs) But we tend to not just let it go. The sum of intelligence on the planet is a constant, but the population is growing. That's probably true. Probably true. Age is a very high price to pay for maturity. <laughs> yes, Elsie. Way to go, Elsie. Elsie gets it. I, I, I think that's true, Elsie. I think it's true. That's something still for Maggie to find out. As you grow older, the dates on your calendar will become closer than they appear. It's like the mirror, right? Wisdom is that which the moment someone thinks they have it, it is proved that they've not. That might be the truest one of all of these statements. The moment you think you're wise, all of a sudden you just prove that you're not. And then this last one, wisdom is knowing how best to answer the cook's question, how does it test, without lying when you are not sure you can take another bite. And that, I'm grateful that that never happens in my home. I have to just clarify that. My wife, she's never, we've never had to worry about that. We are looking this morning at a neglected treasure, the notion of wisdom. And I, I don't know, I don't know if you feel like this is neglected or not. We talk about wisdom or the lack of wisdom, uh, but I think it probably needs more biblical attention than what it gets. We probably could do with some more wisdom, both uh, in the church and certainly in the world as well, there's room for more wisdom than what we currently have. And it's a topic uh, that I think therefore should be addressed and maybe it's a treasure. If there's ever a treasure that could be neglected and needs some attention, it might be wisdom. Let's talk first of all about a secular wisdom kind of definition. I read this this week and I thought this was pretty good. And, I, and I've struggled with this. What exactly is wisdom? It's a little bit elusive. But this definition was the possession of knowledge an experience which is used to make sound, respected judgments that prove themselves to have been the best. That's not bad. Now, I think that takes time. I think inherent in the definition is the idea of it taking time because it has to be proved with time to be the best decision. But the notion of having knowledge and experience, which allows you to make judgments that then prove to be the best, I think probably does constitute wisdom, at least for that moment. And in that decision, it constitutes uh, some wisdom. And so I kind of like that definition. We could use this too. It's just kind of a shorter version of what I just put up there. Knowing what is best and choosing it. Don't we all wish all the time that we knew what was best, and then don't you wish that you always had the freedom or the opportunity to just choose what was best? And sometimes we don't have the opportunity. Most of the time we probably do. But it would be nice for us to be able to act on what we know to be the best. And when we're able to actually act on what we know to be the best, wisdom, I think, proves itself. That all of a sudden we are wise because we're able to actually do what we think is best also. Well, I like those definitions, but there is a problem with them for sure. And the definition or the problem is this. I'm not sure that there's actually such a thing as secular wisdom. In fact, I almost would want to say no. There's no such thing as secular wisdom. And you ask why? It's because 
real knowledge and real experience, and we said knowledge and experience would lead to judgments that prove to be the best, real knowledge and real experience will take into account that which is most telling for all of reality. And that which is most telling for all of reality is the existence and the presence of God in our interaction with him. And so I wonder, is it even possible, and maybe this is a question you can wrestle with yourself, is it even possible to have secular wisdom? If you're a person who believes, then I think you might be apt to say no. Because in order to be in line with that which is really true, ultimately, I think you'd have to be also in line with that one who is true. Christian wisdom is different than secularly grounded wisdom because our knowledge and experience of God has become for us the primary source of wisdom. So to just be wise and to not be in line with that primary source, I'm wondering if that's actually wisdom. Proverbs 9.10 puts it this way. I think this is similar. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And it's interesting because people seek wisdom and want to have understanding all the time. In fact, you think about our age. Why is it that we have all of the multimedia vice, uh, devices, yeah, the vices, devices that we have? Like sometimes it's certainly for the sake of communication, just building relationships, but a lot of times it's so that we can know. We have things right at the, the fingertips Uh, our fingertips, able to find so easily the answers to millions, billions of questions. And yet I'm not sure that the answers to millions and billions of questions necessarily represents wisdom. Certainly not, according to Proverbs 9.10, if the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, then all kinds of knowledge doesn't necessarily take us down a path to wisdom at all. Christian or godly wisdom will include, instead, considering God and his will in virtually every judgment that's made. In fact, Christian wisdom includes judgments that are then in sync with God's will. And so I think it's probably fair to say, yes, the question, who's wise? Wouldn't it have to be the person who is consistently in line with the will of God? All of a sudden, that's beca- that becomes the definition of being wise. Now, it's interesting. The Jews knew this. The Jews had a pretty good handle, actually, on the notion of wisdom. It was part of their culture, part of their history, that wisdom was for them well-known. And that's because they'd, of course, experienced God. God had come to them in the form of commandments, his, his uh, revealing himself to them over and over again in all kinds of different ways. And because he revealed himself to them, they had, I think, some kind of handle on what it means to be wise, the notion of fearing the Lord and being in a relationship with him. And because they had a handle on that, they produced books. They certainly were capable of writing and writing in some deep ways. And so there are several books, Proverbs, for example, which we're going to look at here extensively in just a moment, the book of Job, for another example, the book of Ecclesiastes, And these books are so filled with wisdom and wisdom literature that that's what they become known as. These are the wisdom books of the Bible, the wisdom books of the Old Testament. And the idea is that you read these books and there's something about them that's going to transfer into your mind some wisdom. And so we do. We read them sometimes in devotional reading, sometimes in church, whatever. There are times when we read these books because they teach 
wisdom to us and become part of even the canon, a canon that conveys wisdom and the revelation of God. So we reflect on these, and you reflect on these books of wisdom, and the idea is that you'll gain wisdom. You'll become wiser because you've reflected on them. So that's what we're going to do here for just a few minutes. We're going to talk about some wisdom, specifically from the book of Proverbs. I don't know when the last time was that you read the book of Proverbs or read any of the Proverbs, but you're going to have at least a chance now to read some lines. I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7 to begin with. And I didn't look to see what page this was on uh, in the Bibles underneath the, the seats or anything. Maybe somebody, if they find Proverbs in, the, in, the, uh, in a Bible underneath the seats, they can tell us where they're at. What page? 472. Thanks, Carl. 472, book of Proverbs. And I'm just going to read these first seven verses. And I want you to notice here, there's certainly an admonition to gain wisdom. And then the last verse, in verse 7, is actually going to tell us more specifically what that is. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance, for understanding Proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. And so the, the person who's writing this is saying, I'm writing this book, I'm writing down these Proverbs so that a person might gain wisdom and understanding. And there's even a few comments about the young. So if I was to ask you the question, who is the book of Proverbs most specifically written for, what would you say? What do you think? Certainly for the young, he actually says that here in the first few verses. And then very quickly as you move on through the book, it becomes clear that it's not so much just for the young, but maybe even more specifically for young men. And so if it happens that there are any young men here today, I don't know of anybody who's got a Bible book written specifically to them, but in this case, this is the case. You've got a Bible book written specifically for young men that they might know God better and learn better who he is. So then we get to verse 7, which is just beautiful, and it kind of describes what wisdom is. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So the fear of the Lord becomes directly linked to the notion of knowledge and wisdom. So I put up earlier a a definition of wisdom from a secular perspective. And if you're going to take this into consideration, that secular definition just doesn't work. Because this says that the fear of the Lord is wisdom. And oh man, we need to take that seriously. I think of all the people that I know, in fact, all the Christians that I know, who long to think of themselves as wise, who would like to think that they have understanding. You know, we go to school because we want to gain understanding so we can be educated people. And there's certainly things that we can learn in a secular environment, secular education, university, and all that that are helpful. But this says that it's the fear of the Lord that is really the bottom line when it comes to gaining wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. And I think that's the case. So I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20. Just look over across the page, if it's this Bible anyway. And again, kind of follow along with me here. Out in the open, 
Wisdom calls aloud. So there's a personification here of wisdom. It's like wisdom is a person. Wisdom is someone yelling, maybe at the top of their lungs, trying to get out an important message to all who should hear. Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke. Then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. But since you refuse to listen to, what I, to when I call, and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, since you disregard all my advice and do not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you. And there's the implication that that's what's going to come. Disaster is on its way for the one who doesn't listen to wisdom. I will mock when, you cl- when calamity overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you. Then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me, since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. Notice again how this is directly linked, linked with the notion of wisdom, fearing the Lord. They didn't choose to fear the Lord since they would not accept my advice and spurn my rebuke. They will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. And the point is that there is incredible benefit in life that comes to the person who says, I am going to gain the wisdom and fear of the Lord. Blessings come. And by the same token, if we choose to walk a different path and don't choose wisdom, where will that find us? In a position, he says, of calamity. Now, you and I know that there are things, bad things that happen to good people. There are some times when we can't do anything about the bad things in the world that happen to good people. Some things just happen spontaneously. What this is talking about is the person who intentionally avoids pursuing God's wisdom, and in the end, because they chose not to pursue God's wisdom, they end up in a position of calamity. And it is simply the case, is it not, that sometimes people get what they deserve. It happens. Sometimes the results of our choices lead us on a path that is not good for us, where good things don't happen for us. We end up being filled with pain at times. Because of the choices we make, when all the while God is telling us that there is a wise choice that we could take. You know, the fact is, I have people that come to my office, or I see them in their homes, or I see them in the foyer of the church building. There are times, many times, during the week when I talk to people who are products of their own poor decisions. And I'm not saying products of their own stupidity. As much as I'm saying, products of their own poor decisions when they don't choose to follow God's will. When they choose to walk down a path other than the one that God says, if you walk this path, you'll be in good shape. If you don't walk this path, you won't be in good shape. And so often we choose not to walk that path that would put us in a good position before him. When we're able to do that, the Bible calls that wisdom. And when we don't, we end up at a place which isn't profitable at all. I see, I see Daryl Bean back here nodding. 
And, and it's not because Daryl's a fool, but it's because Daryl knows people. Daryl and I actually are working with somebody on a regular basis who sometimes makes some pretty poor choices. And what he needs is the wisdom of the Lord to prevail in his life so that he can say, yeah, I'm going to do ultimately what God wants me to do. And when he does that, Daryl, he's going to be in a much better place, wouldn't you say? It stands to reason and it stands to Scripture. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Look at this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Exactly the opposite of what we so often do. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Instead, fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. And again, am I saying that everybody who follows the Lord is never going to have a pain in their body again? Of course not. But the point is, there is a path that you can take here. You can lean on your own understanding, or you can start to trust in God. And trusting in the Lord, as opposed to leaning on your, understand, your own understanding, is going to take you to a much better place than if not. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Now, is that a promise that if I give to the Lord, he's going to make me wealthy? No, I don't think that's what he's saying at all. He is saying that he will take care of you. And in fact, he does. My son, don't despise the Lord's discipline and don't resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father the son he delights in. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed." And you read through that passage right there, just those last few verses, and just ask yourself, is there anything there that I still need? What do you need after all of your material needs have been taken care of? What do you need after you find peace? What do you need after you have been blessed? And what the writer of Proverbs is saying is that all those things come to the person who chooses the Lord's wisdom as opposed to another path. Look at chapter 4, verse 5. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. I I love the, the idea of loving wisdom, of craving after wisdom. We love and crave after so many things. And here he says, if you just turn your heart and devote it to wisdom, you will be watched over. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. The wisdom of the Lord, just it, the blessings just keep showering upon us because we choose wisdom. Wisdom comes to us and it's like, What else would we need? There's no other needs. Now turn to chapter 8. And this is another one of those passages where wisdom is personified. Wisdom is calling out to a people that wisdom wants to be 
hearing. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? At the highest point along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gate leading to the city at the entrance, she calls aloud. And so wisdom goes to the most prominent place where everybody can hear, and this is what wisdom says. To you, O people, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, set your hearts on it. Listen, for I have trustworthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true, for my lips detest wickedness. All the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. To the discerning of all of them are right. They are upright to those who have, who have found knowledge. Choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have insight. I have power. By me, kings reign, and rulers issue decrees that are just. By me, princes govern and nobles all who rule on the earth. I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, always the pathways of justice, bestowing a rich inheritance on those who love me and make their treasuries full. What else do you need? What else would you desire? The Lord is saying, for all those who feel some void. And I I mean, I look around the room today, and there's some of you I know well enough to know that your life is not perfect. The rest of you I haven't talked to enough to know yet. But there's no one here who has this perfect existence. For none of you is everything absolutely as you want it in every single way. And this says that pursuing wisdom is going to take you to that place of satisfaction. Like, is is there anybody here who actually would like to be satisfied in life? To where you said, I am satisfied in life. And the text says that is ours. This is possible. And wisdom is the source of that satisfaction. If I was going to sum up what we've looked at so far, I'd say these two things. Pursuing wisdom is, first of all, the wisest move of all. If the writer's right, if the writer's correct, then that's the truth. That pursuing wisdom is the wisest move of all. So I don't know what, it, what your priorities are. That should be one. And secondly, wisdom is found in reflecting on the Lord. Because he says over and again that to be wise is directly linked and connected to where, you at, where you're at in terms of your relationship with God. To have God as your foundation and the source of wisdom is really the only source of wisdom. And so he says wisdom is really found in reflecting on the Lord. 
Now, as I said before, the Jews were, were kind of used to all of this. The Jews lived in, with this kind of literature all the time. They lived in this world. That was just who they were. And it was because they were chosen by God. They were his people. They recognized the need for wisdom. Did they live it out? Well, not at all the way they really should have. But they had a clue. They had something there that really put them ahead of the rest of the world when it came to wisdom. Now I want to show you something that puts us, those who follow Jesus, even further ahead. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning with verse 18. And I've said on here 118 through 27. I won't read all of this. It's pretty lengthy. But there's enough here for us to get the idea of what's going on when it comes to wisdom. And, and ultimately then, be, it, what it means for us to be satisfied. Watch how this happens. Verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? And, and you can almost, that's like Proverbs kind of language, okay? Like this is, this sounds like what the Jews would be asking, these kinds of questions. Has not the world made foolish the wisdom of the world? Has God, sorry, has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know God, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand science, Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God. And what are the next few lines, church? What does it say? The next few words. Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Christ is the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. This is saying that the source of real wisdom comes in the person of Jesus. And I'm not just saying, well, Jesus was the wisest person of all. That's not the point. The point is, is that to know Jesus Christ puts us in touch with that which is genuine wisdom. All of a sudden, something begins to flow into us in our connection with God through Jesus, which we could characterize as wisdom, a deep wisdom, a profound wisdom. God himself working out our salvation through the wisest course that he could have worked it out, and then allowing us in being in relationship with him through Jesus to be ultimately wise because Jesus lives within us, takes up residence within us, fills us. In connection with Christ, we become potentially the wisest of all. Verse 26. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. God destroys the world's wisdom through his wisdom in Jesus. 
It is because of him that you're in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it's written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. We boast in the Lord because he's the one who provides through Christ this kind of wisdom and connection with him. We said from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, but even before that, chapter 1, verse 7, Wisdom is to know the Lord. Wisdom is to fear the Lord. And with Jesus, we're put in touch with God and know God better because of Jesus than any time before. And it's this intimate connection with God that we have through Jesus who allows us to actually be wise. So Paul says in chapter 2, verse 1, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I didn't come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that in itself becomes wisdom. And what we preach doesn't depend on our own power. It depends on the power of God working that wisdom among us. So we, it seems to me, stand in a privileged position. You didn't know this. I mean, you might have thought, well, I'm a Christian and that's wonderful and it certainly gives me salvation and all those things. What you didn't know, or maybe hadn't thought about before, but was that because of Christ, you actually stand as one of the wise ones. When God looks at you, he says, wise. Because of the connection that we have with him, because of Christ. And so if you find yourself standing in Jesus, if you find yourself honoring God because you stand in Jesus, if you've given your life completely to him and serve him and honor him, then all these things that we've talked about in connection with wisdom can in fact be yours. And there is a satisfaction and a peace and a, like the Greeks long for happiness And there's that kind of happiness and satisfaction that comes to the person who stands in Jesus because Christ is the supplier of the wisdom of God. To me, that seems a great blessing. I'm glad we can be the wise ones. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what it is that you provide us. I am not in any way, not, there's not even a hint of wisdom within me on my own. But because of you, because you've claimed me for your own, made me your child, I have a chance to live out a life of true wisdom connected to you. God, I thank you that, that I can know you and honor you, and seek you. And that through that, there's a certain wisdom that is mine because only of you. You've made yourself available to all of us in this way. Help us to seek you and to gain this kind of wisdom, which is you. We pray through Jesus. Amen.